It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome inside episode 19, the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Who would have thought you'd have made it this far, Stevie Noodleberg? They all bet against you. It's incredible. It's... And by they, I mean me. I lost $1,000. <laughs> I said you'd never survive this long. And that would mean the next one is 20, right? And that would Well, <laughs> if, if, if we're counting properly, that would be. Yes. You're good at math. <laughs> See? <laughs> he he's not only an author and, and a leader and a motivational speaker, as we mention each week. You're also like the Beatles wrote a paperback writer. The book also now, for those who are wondering, available in paperback. We actually uh, Shay and I, who is behind the camera, Shay, we, we, we actually looked at the paperback numbers this morning, and I was overwhelmed. Selling some am, copies, as I am overwhelmed by the entire uh, Noodleberg franchise if you will you are listen you've built you've built a brand you're helping others build the brand we all have an obligation to do that whether it's for profit or otherwise the last verse of tim mcgraw's hit song always stay humble and kind and i make people that ask for help from me recite it to me there was a young lady yesterday i love that she was can you help me she said i want your life i want to do it's okay text me the last verse of humble and kind Tim McGraw, big hit, summer 2016. Oh, we'll use that. I the last it. verse says, don't take for granted the love this life gives you. When you get where you're going, don't forget, turn back around. Help the next one in line. Oh. Always stay humble and kind. Dude, fantastic. And to validate that, this morning, because we do this you know, live on Facebook, yep. I spoke with a young lady in Boston who works for Liberty Mutual, Nicole mm-hmm. Vaughn. Shout out to Nicole. Shout out Nicole. She reached out on LinkedIn and said, I- I've been watching and reading your stuff, and yep. w- would you jump on a call with me and spend a few minutes sharing your knowledge? And I did, and it was fantastic. And the fact that somebody's willing to listen to me is pretty incredible. I think, when, I think it, it happens from time to time. It does. Happen. The last line of that song, right? When you get where you're going, don't forget, turn back around, help the next one alive. I think we all have an obligation to do that and not just be wrapped up in ourselves. Um, our guest today yes. is actually the first ever president of On the Ball. Is that right, Steve? That Nittleberg? is correct. Uh, I can't even remember. 20 years ago? I mean, Almost. It's, it's Almost crazy. 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. We, uh, Adam and I were, f- were Adam, friends. You should, you should probably introduce yes, So, Adam Custon, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Adam, very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. For Why the first you tell time. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Adam. It's only a 30-minute show. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, well, working in reverse, I uh, just started a company. Mm-hmm. I heard this show was about entrepreneurship, so yep. I think it's probably Germain. Germain. And then I'm waiting for Steve to say Jackson. Uh, that wasn't the one. It was. My, what my, do the Germans <laughs> have to do with this? So, oh, uh, okay. I was going to say my fourth favorite you know, of the Jackson <laughs> Five: Michael, Marlon, Randy, then maybe Germain. Excellent. And then Tito. I couldn't name any more than Fantab- that. Those were, those were the five. But those a great five. five. So we'll leave it at that. So regardless, you just started a company. Started a company. Uh, it's called Platinum Access. It's a concierge medicine company. We're very early stage right now. We've, we've raised a couple hundred thousand dollars. We're just building all of our systems. Uh, but prior to that, uh, I've spent most of my career in, in marketing, a lot of entrepreneurship. And uh, the way I met Steve mm-hmm. was um, 
I was the vice president of marketing of a venture-funded e-business company, which sounds exciting. Early on, one of the it first. It sounds yeah. One of the first. Sounds exciting. Venture-funded e. Yes. It, this was before e was popular. This so was so this the, is like 98, 97. 99, that's right. All right. Uh, we had about $35 million in funding, lots of employees, and not a lot of customers. They had gotcha. a great, great office though man we played ping pong yeah well the they play a lot of ping pong because they had no customers we invested so in not, all the right stuff if you're not doing business you might as well play ping pong That's right. we had a blast <laughs> we did i bet you did we did uh and how'd you how'd you come across this young man ah. well 20 years ago he was a young man how'd you come across this middle-aged man well who then was a young man he was middle-aged back then i think he's still middle-aged <laughs> i had um, hair i had hair back you then. did have a little bit of hair back then so because we were a venture-funded e-business company in the late 90s, mm-hmm. it was incumbent upon the CEO to advertise who we were. We got a, a giant round of funding. and he, he To build said, a brand. You're branding. We're building a brand. You're identifying yourself. So he said, uh, Adam, we need to run an ad in the Wall Street Journal. And, and I said, Bruce, that sounds like a horrible idea. He said, no, we've got to <laughs> prove to our investors that we're using the money that they just gave us. I said, well, why don't we do something that's going to you know, actually generate some revenue. And he said, no, we have to run an ad in the Wall Street Journal. So we'd gone back and forth a couple of times. Okay. And then we did it. Uh, we, what did that cost? Do you recall? $150,000. It's a hundred. Okay. I can get you that ad today for thirty seven fifty. dollars <laughs> And I don't mean $3,700. I mean uh, yeah. $37.50. Yeah. Where were you 20 years ago? So <laughs> we spent a buck fifty on this ad, placed the ad on a Tuesday. It ran on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And by Thursday, everyone had forgotten about the ad. Yes. There was a whole other bunch of ads that ran that day. That's correct. Except Noodleberg, who saw the ad and then started smiling and dialing. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. We had just opened a new office. We, we moved into the top floor of the Sun Sentinel building, uh, which was formerly the, the headquarters of Sunbeam before they had moved okay. to Boca Raton. Right. And the office hadn't been remodeled. So I had an office that might have been about 2,000 square feet. It was ridiculous. <laughs> mm. It was just like a long hallway with one desk. Yep. Steve comes and calls on me, and in the, in the office, I have a basketball hoop, an autographed picture of Tom Seaver. Yep. Um, Tom Seaver? Tom Seaver. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Well, are you a, are you a Mets fan? It's Tom Seaver fan. Okay. And, so uh, imagine me as a, a Mets places. fan. I walked in. I was like, <laughs> but Seaver yeah. played a few places. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was an easy target at that point. Um, but what <laughs> we wound up doing, well, it was, yeah, I mean, sports marketing, what we wound up doing was, was the company then sponsored the corporate run. We were the title sponsor of the corporate run for a couple of years and actually did a lot of very good did stuff with the heat. We did a bunch yeah. of good stuff. Yeah. Brand building activities as well as, as, as culture building activities, which at that time was, was super important. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, um, ran- kind of a new idea, the, the culture building, kind of a new idea. Well, well at what, that time. what was interesting to and I think it's, we should bring up the point. The ad itself was so creative and so, far off of what you might see in the Wall Street Journal, that was the reason why I was calling, because the ad was a, a baby floating underwater. And okay. And it was... Like the this, Nirvana album cover, but not chasing uh, the dollar. Sort of. Sort okay. of, yeah. Sort of, yep. but... It, and it had great messaging, which I don't remember to this moment, but it was it stood out so much to me that that was the reason for my call. Hey, you guys are different. Hey, I want to come their meet, attention. You caught my attention. Let me come in and just BS. And then, you know, as we bring it back to what is important to salespeople, the sale was between you and I, yep. not 
yep. to accelerate and on the ball. We hit it off. We were talking baseball. You had a basket in there. I that did we have a basket in my basket. Well, I, I had a giant office and nothing. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's, a le- there's a lesson in here. There's yeah. a theme that we often discuss on this podcast, and that is what I refer to as what the hostage negotiators do, and that's find commonality. Yes. You're good at finding commonality. It's not just where you're from, where you went to school. Yep. He looks up. He sees a Tom Seaver picture, and he's thinking, Oh, I got this guy. Right. He's thinking, I'm a Mets fan. I got to know. We got commonality. That's what hostage negotiators do yes. with the hostage takers. First of all, what a great point. That's why you are so good at what you do. Well, I'm, the, I'm, I'm really the best. You at what are I the do. best. Yeah. I mean, and you make you. you make this show. Thank but well, the, the point there was that it was going to be a fun meeting, whether we did business or not. Right. Yep. We knew it would be fun, and we had a blast. You I mean, had it, commonality from commonality. which to discuss. Absolutely. So continue, because I did interrupt. Uh, that's okay. So, yeah, the, it was the greatest ad that I hooked a vendor, which was awesome. That's exactly <laughs> what you want an ad to, ad to do. <laughs> is that not the purpose? Uh, uh, it is For now. the young entrepreneurs? It, it, yeah, yes. it was good for me. Run <laughs> ads to get people to sell you more stuff. So uh, we, we did that. Um, and, then, and then the business ran its course. Um, it actually still survives. It is, it is the... It was rolled up into Razorfish. So there are a lot of very smart people. There was a lot of smart people. Who are still doing really great work. We just got caught up in what a lot of companies did at that time period, which was to try to create a point of difference where there really wasn't one. So that business ran its course. Um, Is there a lesson to be learned from that, trying to create where there isn't one? Comedians say, don't fall in love with a joke. Yep. Comedians say, listen, Chris Rock will come. He'll play the improv. And they won't tell anyone. And it'll be sold out because it's Chris Rock. And they won't advertise it. And he'll try to joke, a bunch of them. And if it doesn't work, as much as he loved it, got to get rid of it. Yep. Is, is there something to be learned about the lesson of, hey, if it ain't, if it's not there, you can't force it? Yeah, well, I, I think it was, it was, in this instance, applying a formula that, that someone made up along the way. So there were other companies that got a similar amount of funding at that period of time mm-hmm. who did not advertise and we're able to to uh, survive the downturn that have inevitably happened. So when that when the uh, dot com bubble burst, yeah, burst. which which as a guy who was running marketing, you know, I have to also be really clear and present about what's possible or what's appropriate for the company. And I love to do advertising. It's it's fun. It's exciting. It's it's sexy. It's tangible. Um, but not always necessary. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other, you know, the leader of the company at the time thought that was the formula for success because all the, all the other guys were doing it. And really it was all the other guys who were doing it that you could see. There were plenty of guys who weren't doing it, of course, wouldn't be visible in the Wall Street Journal because they were using their money for other, right. other purposes for business development. You never so, believed that the Wall Street Journal ad was a good idea. So the, the first question I asked, I didn't, a junior person oftentimes will say, sounds great, boss, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I asked why. And I think that that's the most important part when a, when a client is asking you to do something, it's not how many or, or, or whatever, you know, a, a num- numerical response would be. It's to, to get to the root cause of what problem are you trying to solve or why are you trying to do this particular thing? Because if the answer was, well, I want to prove to these investors that we're doing this thing, I think you're proving something entirely different in terms of how you're managing the business by spending a buck fifty mm-hmm. on an ad that basically was – was like the wind. I mean, There'd it was be no not, return on it. There was no ROI. It was one day. Yeah. They're guessing. Yeah. They're, they're guessing right. at what might work as right. opposed to actual market research where you understand how you build a brand and how you get to the front of mind or even just how you make a splash. 
Listen, they, they were different times. There were really no rules. Yeah, that's right. These were companies, a lot of them, that did not turn a profit, but were still getting funding like crazy. Yeah, was, uh, I mean, the VCs were placing bets the same way they place right. bets today with different categories. So they placed bets with literally hundreds of companies, and some of them survived. And uh, you know, the company I work for got rolled up in, into Razor Fish, and, and, and they are a premier player in the market and do great work. So The good takeaway for me, selfishly, was that I got to meet Adam – you know, when that did change, you went on to some other stuff. Yeah, I went to another one. Another um, one. <laughs> uh, this was a spin out of Grant Thornton. So, like DJ Catlett right yeah, now. Another one. Yeah, that's exactly right. I yeah. just bounced, you know, went to the next opportunity. Um, and then ultimately, that company wanted me to move to Dallas. I did not want to move to Dallas. So I called Steve and said, I'm looking for a, you know, market, marketing leadership gig. You call on a lot of marketing leaders. You know any companies that don't have any openings? And... Steve said, well, why don't you work with me? Hmm. And, I, and I said, that seems like a terrible idea. What are you talking about? And Now, why did this seem did. like a terrible idea? I'm, I'm kidding. It oh. didn't. I'll tell you what was awesome about it. Because I believed you. It's too, too easy to believe. Well, uh, in, always in hindsight, it's a terrible idea. But at the time, it sounded like a great idea. And for two reasons. One, you had already pointed out, which and I hadn't thought about the hostage negotiation um, anal- analogy. That's a good analogy. That's really finding but, commonality. But what Steve is really good at doing, uh, what I've told a lot of people after the fact, is to make you feel like you're the only person in the room. Mm. And I think that that's got the same sort of value. So I knew that Steve had something special. What he, what he had from an asset standpoint was a lot of relationship capital that I thought I could help um, leverage uh, by building a business. So... I made the leap too. Um, I had, and that was your first entrepreneurial. It was my first entrepreneurial thing, and of course, I did it at a time when uh, my son was was uh, born. You know, it was like two weeks old. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't have anything going on. Why, why, why don't we do this? Yeah, so, yeah no responsibility. Why not? <laughs> so, what was interesting about that, Stephen? So I, I, he said, let's do this thing. I said, okay, sounds good. Let's have a deeper conversation. Show me your books. Show me what you got. Yeah. So I knew if I was making an informed decision mm-hmm. about the next move, mm-hmm. and um, and he, for those who can't see me, palms to the air. So <laughs> didn't have what, any books. Steve, I was what, paying all my bills. I was living a good life, paying all his bills, you living were, the you good life, keeping books. I, I, I'm pretty sure that he actually had written an invoice on a bar napkin at one point. <laughs> I believe it, and might have shown that to me. So, and for the record, the statute of limitations has expired yeah. for the Internal Revenue Service yeah, and others think, who are listening. I think we're all good. We're, we're past that. He now. did have an accountant who probably was even more frustrated than I was with that with that question. But <laughs> Steve um, knew that he wanted to grow the business and formalize it in a way that he hadn't done. Um, he borrowed a significant amount of money against his house. Mm-hmm. We opened an office. And my accountability, which I've done several times since he and I worked together, is to do what I call the other. Whatever that guy is good at, my objective as an entrepreneur who's helped build some businesses is to do the other thing. He needed someone to get organized. We needed to put it together financial Can't system. be the same. You can't have the same strengths. It would be ridiculous. You have to yeah. complement each other's strengths. Yeah. Like Ben and Jerry. One of them's good at naming the stuff. The other guy apparently churns the buckets. I don't yeah, know. Right. Good but, at eating it. Right. But, you, but, 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 yeah. More like Abbott and Costello. Right. 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 <laughs> but I think that's, I think that, I think people in, in entrepreneurs, they don't, in writing partners in Hollywood, don't put enough emphasis on the fact that forget someone that does what you do well, 
find someone who does the things well that you don't do well. Yep. Yep. Which is not easy to do. No. It's really not. And sometimes easy. it's difficult to Correct. admit to yourself. Yep. What it is you can't do and what they're better than you. Because the things they excel at may be the things you wish you were better at. So you have to put that ego aside. It's a trust thing. It's an ego of thing. It sure. A lot, a lot of it. But when it works, mm-hmm. which it did for a bunch yeah, of yeah, years, man, it was magic. Man. It, it was, was really, really good. And I think that that's, that's where the, the value of the partnership really comes to light is that one and one absolutely made more than two. I became a better salesperson because of Steve. Steve became a better, I don't know what, because of me. Taller, maybe? Well, um, a better what, Steve? Um, I, I, I understood the business more than at any other time you know, prior or, or even, even afterwards. It, it gave me a foundation of, you know, we, we set up books. We set up projections. I can remember we, we, flying around, and I would go, I'm not going. It's three hundred and fifty dollars to fly there, and he right. was like, "Are you out of your mind?" He right. goes, "We're going to go make forty thousand dollars." What are you? Gonna yeah, want? it was. Yeah. It's an interesting. <laughs> the, there was a lot of explaining, a lot of explaining to do. Right. Um, it was just understanding the give and take, the ebbs and flows, as we were really growing and galloping, scaling a business is a whole other thing than when it's just you one on one, and that's kind of how it was. Me, I was yep. growing the business, was doing some good things. It, it had the makings to go bigger. I think one of the l- lessons was... What is the lesson there? If you can't do it yourself, find, surround yourself with people Smart who people don't know all the yeah. answers. They just know where to find so them. So I put the right guy in the boat with me, and the boat took off, man. It was really incredible so, in a way that I could not have done it myself. How about delegation? People have a hard time delegating because, oh, no, no, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to handle it myself. Uh, aren't those successful, truly people, the ones that have the ability to delegate to those they know can handle it better? They can, and I think what's interesting is that um, even though it was my first entrepreneurial thing, as a self-motivated person, I knew what to do, and I took on the role in many ways, and this is not from a psychological standpoint of being an enabler. I might have been an enabler in other ways, too, <laughs> oh and you might have been an enabler. But You mean uh, drinking in the afternoon? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, cocktails always come <laughs> up. That might have happened. Cocktails always come up. We're social beings. <laughs> but, but the enabling was... I. I my position was if I could free up Steve to do the things that he's best at, the, the connecting, the, the reaching out, the making people feel like they're the only person in the room, mm. by taking care of the other, then that's going to grow the business. So there wasn't really that much delegation. Yeah, I give and, and a parallel example would be we'd go meet someone, you know, uh, Steve would tee up the conversation. My accountability oftentimes was, well, let me fig- see if we can figure out, you know, what we're going to sell this person or this entity. And then someone had to write the proposal. Well, there was no, I was the proposal writer. Like we would talk about it, we'd be in the car on the way back, and then I'd create the proposal because that's where my strengths were. I was able to articulate uh-huh. in a way that would have someone understand here's what we're going to do for you, here's how much it's going to cost, and here's what the outcomes are going to be. And then we'd go back and close, you know, and sometimes he'd be the closer and sometimes I'd be the closer because it depended on what the, Skill sets were so we were very complimentary in in that regard. Lewis was here last week. And yeah, we talked right. About it, Lewis you know? was one of our first. That's a great example of of relationship capital yeah. where you had done very transactional things with Lewis, um, some sponsorships and some some kind of point solutions. And then it was obvious that Lewis had a gap in his business of, more, of right? a mature marketing. And um, remind, remind the audience of whom you speak. Lewis from Gonzalez, episode eighteen. Lewis Gonzalez, Gonzalez from, last one. Episode Sharp eighteen. And, Episode 18, Lewis Gonzalez from Sharp, who was our fir- my first client right. at On the Ball. But certainly when you came on board, 
we took that so, relationship. To I mean, he was our life. first retained client. That's exactly we, right. We had yeah. a series of goals and objectives to support his business and grow his business. And part of it was delivering stuff and part of it was consultative and that we were there to be the guys for him. So it was very, very well, fruitful. What's, what's interesting is that, you know, the background you came from was much more structured, you know, being in a big yeah. organization. You brought that to us. Which again, that's where the bridge is where you can be entrepreneurial when you right. jump in the boat mm-hmm. and bring value to the table. One of the things of every person I've ever hired, I said, listen, if you bring value, we, I don't have to understand it. You're just doing it. Oh, wow, that guy's valuable. I don't want to live without him. Right. That is in and of itself is how you build a company. If, and, and every person I've ever hired said, I said, listen, man, just bring value. Figure it out and bring value. You figured right. it out and brought value. And, and value, and, and I preach this to interns here at ESPN West Palmer. We tape this podcast and to other young people that ask my help. It's like, it, it's real simple. Um, you don't have to apply for a job that exists. You can create your own position. But here's what you got to do for the person that's in the position to bring you on. A, make their life easier. B, make them money. C, make them look smart. Or D, get them sex. Because those are the four <laughs> motivating factors. And if I, I didn't wasn't thinking about number four, although that is value. Well, if, if, <laughs> well, yeah, because that's what people are looking for. I, I, I need to look smart to my bosses above and the shareholders. Whomever I brought him on, I brought her on board. Uh, look at new addition to the income. I'm paying them this. They create a tenfold in the revenue generation, etc. Make my life easier. That's what we're all looking for in life, right? I totally agree. Right? I, I totally agree. I mean, but you know, from you know when you internalize it and look back at what we actually did. We, we there was a lot of times that we did not agree on stuff. Yep. And I think one of the other lessons is out of that tension comes the best ideas. You know, he was a real creative guy. So was I. We would get in the room. How and why? Because um, you're forced to have a communication. Because you're forced to have a discussion. Because if the first idea that comes up is the one that you accept, it's the wrong idea. You know, because it's easy. That's what you know. It's when you go, okay, now there's one idea. Give me second and third, and you fight through mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. That tension, at least for me, has yeah. always brought. Wow, we would have never gotten there if we didn't go through that process. And he had, in my estimation, much more book smarts. You were, you're intelligent, or or you were. That's <laughs> in, all gone in, away. In, in a way, <laughs> in a way, in a way that I wasn't. Uh-huh. So formal training, not formal training. That combination became something that. We did come up with great ideas and great value, and then tracking it, which is so important, which is what our business didn't do before you got there, mm-hmm. is we could actually go back a year later and say, this is what we did for you. You know, this is every month to month. Here's what we did. Here's what you asked us to do. I, I was never that way. I was like, do it, move on, do it, move on. And, and your value can be not just to your employer and how you bring what you bring to the table. But also it can mean how much they don't want you to go to work for the competition. True. Yeah. Right? It can be also viewed as we, when you see a team in the AFC East and they acquire a player so another team in division doesn't get them, sometimes people need to recognize their value isn't just what they bring to their uh, place of employment, but also how valuable they are that they not join someone else. Yeah. When, when you can look back on a relationship at whatever time in your life and say, I got better at this and they got better at that you know that's really pretty incredible and so to still be friends and to still help each other out and to know that he has gone on to create other companies like Mm -hmm. the ones that he's talking about today and for me running you know really my own world now 
and having that structure that I would have never had. I mean, that's, you know, that's so powerful. But I'll be honest, Adam's been here 25 minutes. I've yet to hear him refer to you as still a friend. So I don't know if that's... I paid him handsomely today to be here. Okay, because you're putting words in. Still a friend. It sounds genuine. Steve is still a friend. Sounds genuine. Can you write that a hundred times in the world? Adam Custin is our guest for episode 19, Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Co-founder, CEO at SimpleMD, it says. Simple MD. Is it as simple as it sounds? It is as simple as it sounds. So uh, it is a protein bar company that... Uh, it's huge now. It is huge. It's a very crowded market. The only reason why I'm interested in doing this particular thing is that uh, you try whenever you can to be a category of one. And this is a category of one. The bars are made with uh, extra virgin olive oil and red wine. And they mm-hmm. taste fantastic. Which and there are, are actual virgins that make them. Yes, that's... <laughs> It's on, it's on the it's on the package. There go the margins. Yeah, this is live, right? It's live. Uh, that's so unfortunate. So, um, uh, so they're they solve a big problem uh, for a lot of protein bar consumers, which is that the vast majority of protein bars taste awful uh, if they have all the right numbers on them, or they are basically glorified candy bars. Right. So, it tastes really good. It can't be both. Very yeah. difficult to be both. Yeah. We're in the, we, I think we were pretty close to being both. Yeah. So you found a way to do it. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Uh, we've gained some pretty significant distribution uh, with Life Extension, with uh, Costco Canada. Uh, we're pretty high up on the charts now with, with, with Amazon, and we're negotiating a deal with, uh, with Sears and Kmart right now to, to begin distribution. So for the entrepreneurs that listen religiously to this podcast and they read Steve's book and they go and watch him speak, give me one thing that they absolutely need to do. And then give me one thing that people absolutely need to stop doing or don't do if you haven't yet as far as trying to be successful in entrepreneurial business and marketing and sales. What's a do? What's an absolute must? Got to do what? I think well, I'm going to give you two answers. So one is I'm going to go back to the go back to the why as people are giving you advice. You need to you need to challenge uh, the whys. You need to ask the question. You need to get levels deeper because a lot of time people take things at face value because of who is saying something versus what they're actually saying. You need to get to the why. Mm. And then I would say do something that is outside of your comfort zone. And I think that that connects to stuff that Steve and I did where a lot of the times we'd shrug our shoulders and go, well, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, and sometimes bad, I bad could stuff could happen. I lose my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But under most circumstances, <laughs> we, we did try different things. I think Steve got out of his comfort zone. I got out of my comfort zone. And I think that made us better at what we, what we did. Uh, and I think as far as... We were pretty comfortable at some Super Bowls, though. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. right? And, but at those Super Bowls, yeah. there was at least one time where we said, what's the worst that could happen? And then two strangers got in the car. So that's another... <laughs> so that's episode 25, maybe. We'll, we'll revisit the strangers that came to the really game. good memories. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Really uh, Is there I gambling would, involved in that story? Yeah, there's always a gamble. Yeah, yeah. Some, not always with money. If you get in the car with us, it's yeah. a gamble. Yeah, oh, that, boy. That was a, that was a good time. Um, and that actually included one of the Jacksons. That was the yes. Janet Jackson Super Bowl. Um, I would say things that people need, need to stop doing is, um, is I think that they need to – they need to not pay attention to the news or the trends as much as, as they would like to. And, and that even is connected to, to my history from 15 or 20 years ago is that uh, you need to sort of simplify your problem solving and, and, and get into where you can make a difference. And those differences may be on the margin. They may be narrow. but uh, if, So it's not overthinking it? And following it's every... It's Malcolm Gladwell blink, your early instinct. Those are the things that matter most? I, I feel like that... 
And oftentimes, while the solution may come down the road, the visceral response to the thing that is possible oftentimes is the thing that you should be doing. Interesting. There's your aha moment. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I love you it. didn't give us one this week. Well, no, I'm sorry. You know, I, I <laughs> no, you, put, you put me on the spot for <laughs> one. You but but I, I love hearing that because that um, that new thinking is sometimes old thinking. And so he, here's the paradigm: is that in the old days when I would manage people, if they had multiple lines of I- income, mm-hmm. right, I would say, "Get out of here. You have to focus exclusively on one thing." And new thinking for you is. I can do this, I can do that, I can do that. I, right. You have parallel things that... You platforms. Know, platforms that you can do. And so I think that's the new economy. Yep. I think that's where you know, the thing that people you know, should do is open up the, the lens and say, you know, where can I add value? And it doesn't always only exist in one place. So Agreed. That's Amen. Well said. There he was, Adam Custon. Thank you. Co-founder, CEO, Simple MD. It's great to have you, sir. Thank you. Thanks Such for having a good me. conversation. We didn't even talk about any specific rules. Didn't need to. Didn't need because to. that's how oh, it shit. works best. Didn't even stuff. need to. Really? Uh, listen, Stevie, you don't ask people how you doing because it's small talk and no one cares. If we do every week, as you do every day, you ask people to tell you something good. So as the music begins, and Shaka Khan, don't worry, the royalties are on the way. We ask you to tell us once again something good for episode 19. What you got, Steve? Here's Nuttlebird. something good. We're live on a Tuesday. It's 65 degrees and sunny outside, and I'm wearing short sleeves. So It's like 72. It's, it's, it's even better than 65. Oh, it went up. It it's went even up. better. It's I was a little ideal. chilly this morning on the way to the gym. So Understood. I'm just grateful for living in this paradise that we call West Palm Beach. I can't believe how many of these guests knew you 20 years ago and still like you and still come around. That says a lot, doesn't it? Thank you. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things. We talk I, about relationships. All kidding aside, I'm, I'm yeah, busting balls. Yeah, I do it every week. Yeah. But we talk so much about relationships that, you know, you got to like people. You're never going to do work with people regardless. Work, work on that first. If you connect with someone, great. If you don't, uh, it is what it is. You know, the whole idea of connecting for the right reasons. If you connect on the right level for the first, right which reasons. we did, yep. Yep. then if the rest is supposed to happen, it will. And if it doesn't, so there's really kind of three buckets that your dots can fall into. I met somebody that I like that can be a friend for life. Yep. I, I met somebody that is a, a friend that I can actually do some business with. Yep. Or I met somebody that I never have to look at again. Amen. One of the, there's three buckets. <laughs> and there you go. We'll figure out which one I fit next time. Uh, listen, you know the book, Confessions of a Serial Salesman, available now also in paperback. And we uh, will try this again. We're going to go for 20. Let's do 20. Let's, Let's go for 20. 20. On behalf of Steve Nittleberg, Josh Cohen saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. And we'll see you for number 20 next time. Yeah.